67. If you didn't know things were changing at Harvest, uh, this should be a big sign that uh, we're going through big transitions, if you see me up here. Uh, and I gotta admit, I thought the crowd would be a lot smaller today because it's summertime and I know a lot of people are not here, but actually it's a pretty big crowd. So I, uh, I hope that you will be blessed by us having this conversation together uh, and that we could uh, really come to an understanding, uh, a greater understanding of maybe where we're headed as a church. So uh, please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, I want to give you thanks and praise for uh, our church, our church body. I want to give you thanks that you are faithful to us, even when we're not always faithful to you. Uh, and this morning, I pray that your spirit would be here, uh, that your word would be preached uh, and that we would be open to hearing what you have to say to us. And I pray that uh, the, your message will bless everyone who is here today. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, I want, you know, it's funny. I, I realize now how hard it is to prepare for a sermon <laughs> because my mind is racing right now. Uh, and it was only through prayer uh, from Daryl and from Dennis and from others that uh, my heart is calmed right now. Uh, and so I hope that what I have to share uh, really comes out clearly and is not all mixed up like it is in my head right now. Um, I want to let you know that the reason why I'm sharing today is because the elders thought it would be important during this time for you guys to understand kind of what's going through our minds, like to hear it from us directly. So you kind of know, because I know a lot of people are probably wondering, like, what are we doing? Like, it, are we looking for a new pastor? Are we uh, looking for an associate pastor? What's going to happen when Jerry uh, goes uh, to three-quarter and part-time? And there's just so many questions, and there, and there will be for a while. Uh, but uh, I want to just kind of remind everybody what uh, the the elders and the pastors have been preaching this, this month so far. So a few weeks back, uh, Sean, he gave a message from 1 Samuel 13, and he talked to us about the importance of not acting out of fear or impatience, right? Like, let's just, just because things look really uncomfortable and we're not sure where we're going, let's not just do something. Uh, one of my favorite sayings uh, from John Bogle, the founder of Vanguard, uh, the largest mutual fund in the United States. He says, he says, when everybody's panicking, he says, what you want to do is don't just do something, stand there. He's kind of flipped it around. And uh, what Sean told us a number of weeks back, I think resonates with me. Like, we want to do something, but, you know, let's hold tight. Let's wait for God to speak to us first. And then Pastor Jerry a couple weeks back, spoke on Genesis 2, and he kind of brought us back uh, to Genesis and how he talked about, like, how we're in a new beginning right now. And he talked about how just as God gave Adam, Eve, a helper to do the work of tending to the garden and caring for the garden, uh, God gave us to one another 
so that whatever work that God wants us to do as a church, you know, he gave us help and we have each other to do that. And in addition to that, God is here alongside with us. So we're not alone, you know, uh, it's not just us, it's God working through us. And last week I wasn't here, but um, I know that Roy Tun spoke and he spoke from the book of Luke. And my understanding is he spoke about the parable of the great banquet and how Christ calls us to go out into the highways and the small roads and to call people into God's house and to fill his house in his kingdom. Uh, and that kind of works well with what I'm talking about today. Um, you know, and what I'm about to share kind of follows along with what everybody else has been sharing, but maybe takes it to a different place as well. Uh, last week, Marissa contacted me and she said, uh, hey, Glenn, what are, the, what are the verses that you're going to cover and what's the title of your message? And I thought, I have to have a title for my message, <laughs> which is really strange, okay, because I have a journalism background and I don't know if you know this, but writers do not write their own headlines when they write a story. The editors write the headlines. So you ever like read a story and you read it and after, after you're done with it, you're like, hey, wait a minute, that had nothing to do with what the headline was. Uh, that's because editors are always kind of looking to give you like a, a, an interesting hook on that headline. And I think for young people, I think they call it clickbait, right? Like they want you to just click on it. So even if it's not what you're looking for, they just want you to click it because they make money off of the clicks. Um, well, when Marissa asked me to do that, well, let's see. Turn this on. Okay, great. I thought, okay, I gotta come up with a juicy headline, right? Just to get everybody's blood flowing. <laughs> all right, so I'm not sure what you're all thinking right now. I have a feeling some of you might be a little upset. Uh, you might be thinking like, Hey, wait a minute, Glenn, what are you saying about our church? Or what do you, that's a cheap shot at the pastors and the former leaders that we've had. And then, I don't know, maybe there's some others of you who are like, yeah, that's right, exactly, we gotta make church great again. And you wanna shout, USA, USA. Well, this headline does mean something, but I want to assure you it has nothing to do with church politics, okay? And, and if you are still with me at the end of the message, uh, I'll explain to you what this headline means. Um, but before I get into it, I also want to share with you uh, a little bit of history from my perspective of Harvest when it first started. So I've been at Harvest since the beginning, uh, and I know some of you also we're here and you know we were a church plant from uh uh let's see cpcoc and if i'm not mistaken pastor Whalen was the pastor right of the church when harvest was planted here and uh i remember it was started by just a handful of uh dedicated couple or young families that wanted that felt God's call to start this church. And, you know, they had a lot of little kids. Uh, Kenny, I think, was like three or four years old at that time. Three, right? And, uh, and I was uh, 
just like a young single person. And there was a band of young single people that followed Jerry because Jerry led uh, the young adults group uh, at uh, that church. And so a lot of us went along with the planting of Harvest. And it was really an exciting time. Uh, and, you know, it was, it felt like something special was happening. And when I had, I had really not been a church person, I'd gone in and out of churches, but it wasn't really um, anything that I understood that I was doing. But I thought, okay, something crazy is going on, and I want to be a part of it. And one of the things that uh, Pastor David Hosang and Betty did, along with Jerry and Priscilla, is they took us to this conference in a suburb of Chicago. And the church there was called Willow Creek. And I'm not sure if a lot of you uh, are familiar with Willow Creek, but just think Saddleback Church, okay? Willow Creek is like the, I think it was the earlier, like it, it blew up earlier than Saddleback. And I wanted to kind of show you a little bit of what uh, Willow Creek was like. It was, it was amazing. You know, um, like what you guys might think of Saddleback, Willow Creek was just amazing. This was like in the mid-90s that I went. And I went with a bunch of people from, from Harvest right before we were starting the church. And I mean, like when you get in, you have to park and take a shuttle to get to the sanctuary. It was like being at Disneyland. I mean, literally like being at Disneyland. And once you get in, you know, you're just amazed by it. And I was amazed by it. And then when we were in the sanctuary, as you can see in the uh, upper picture, I mean, that sanctuary held thousands of people. And I remember it so well. Uh, and you'll see there, like even their, their, their AV team, like look back at those guys. And look back, look up here and all the monitors. I mean, it's insane what is over there. Uh, and I remember thinking, this is what harvest is going to be like. I remember thinking that. I was that excited. I mean, I don't know if whoever might have been here at the time, but there were some of us thinking, hey, maybe we could quit our jobs and work as like a maintenance person for our church. I mean, we thought it was gonna be that big. I, and I did, I really did. And at the time, that was my idea of what a successful church looked like. Um, I remember, oh, well, like when I look back at Willow Creek now, Willow Creek is still a huge church. They claim to have about 25,000 people who go to their church every weekend. Uh, and they have like seven locations. Uh, they, they also claim to be a, an Acts chapter two church, a church that's based on the church uh, found in Acts chapter two, which we're gonna be studying today. And I must say, I, I'm positive that back at that time, I must have been like in my early 20s, I'm positive that we studied Acts chapter two when we were starting Harvest. But I have to admit, I don't remember studying Acts chapter 2. You know what I remembered? I remembered the all-volunteer parking ministry at Willow Creek. I remembered the beautiful landscape and the hardscape. I remember uh, singing to a, a worship team that looked like a full-on professional uh, band. 
Uh, and I remember singing with thousands and thousands of other church leaders because it was at a church conference. And I was overwhelmed by what I saw there. Uh, and one of the things I remembered is that from the sanctuary, it was, it was wide open and you could see like the grounds from behind the stage. And they have this, I don't know if you could see it up there, they have this huge pond and there's like a fountain uh, with water spewing out of it. And you, I remember it, you could see it while the, the pastor was giving his message. And so that's why I asked uh, if I could open the, the uh, blinds <laughs> over here. Because I remember, like, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I thought maybe you could kind of capture that feeling here. Um, but, you know, that, that was then. And we know now, obviously, that Harvest did not become another megachurch. Uh, we've had our highs and lows, like, you know, the, the, I think the attendance has, you know, like the average attendance kind of goes up and it's been going up and down uh, over the years and it ebbs and flows. And I think maybe we are, we'll kind of reach like 200, maybe at the, at the high. And then sometimes it'll just go down and then it'll go back up. And, I think, and I'm not sure, I don't know if you guys feel it, but you know, maybe we're kind of at a, a lull right now in terms of the attendance. Um, but you know what, I know that even though we're not a large church, uh, we're still here. It's been over 20 years and we're still here. And I believe that God has a plan for us. He's, he's brought us together for a reason. Uh, and even if we don't have all those, those things that a mega church may have, uh, we're here now, and we're waiting. We're waiting on God to show us a way. Because as of this moment, we have a worship pastor who is in desperate need of some rest, and so he's going to be heading, uh, he's going to be reducing his time with us uh, by the end of the year. We have a part-time youth director, you know, who we're so uh, thankful to have uh, helping us with our youth. Uh, and we have a part-time administrator in Marissa who's now working out of her house because we don't have a church office anymore. I mean, in terms of paid staff, that's it. That's all we have. And, and so, you know, where do we go from here? Um, what I want to do is, instead of looking at what I used to think was a successful church as a model for where we need to go, uh, I think we need to look back at the source. And that source is in Acts chapter 2. Uh, and I want to kind of set the scene before we get into the word. And, you know, Jesus had resurrected. Uh, he appeared before uh, over 500 people in a period of about 40 days. And he was about to ascend back up into heaven. And he was with his disciples. And he told his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem. He said, wait. Just wait there because I'm going to be sending a helper for you. Uh, and so eventually, in a few days, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, uh, and they started speaking in other languages. And then a crowd started to gather because there are a lot of people coming. Because of Pentecost, they were coming to Jerusalem. And there are people from all over uh, from all other nations and from around there. And so when they heard the, 
disciples speaking in their own native tongues. They were just like, what's going on, you know? And that was when Peter um, rose up and Peter gave the very first gospel message through the Holy Spirit, through the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I want to kind of go into the word right in before, right before, uh, right before we get into our passage and after Peter has uh, expressed uh, the gospel message, we see here in Acts chapter 2, 37, 41. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And many other words he warned, and with many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The first megachurch, the first Christian megachurch, there it is. Uh, and, and so it leads us into a description by Luke um, to describe what the early church was like. So let's read. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So again, so even after the first 3,000 that were added to the disciples, even more were being added. I mean, it's funny, like this, this was a church that was exploding in, in the old, uh, in, like that long ago. And they didn't have the huge facilities that uh, churches like Willow Creek and Saddleback have been able to build. Uh, and so they just had to make do with what they had. But Luke here describes a people uh, who were going through something that nobody had ever gone through. And so I kind of want to get into it a little bit and kind of look at this passage and find out what uh, Luke had to say about what was going on. And the first thing I want to talk to you about is what I see here is teaching. Uh, it says here in the very first uh, verse, which kind of encapsul encapsulates uh, the other verses, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So the first thing you want to see is teaching. Like if we're going to be looking at the early church, one of the key things that the early church did was they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Uh, but that leads to the question, like, what was the teaching of the apostles? And it is clear uh, that the teaching of the apostles was the gospel message. That was it. And it was 
It was Peter's gospel message that kicked off the church. And that's how, you know, people came to come to uh, the church. And so, number one, we need, to, we need to know that a church or the early church felt that teaching was paramount, right? So, preaching of the gospel and teaching from God's word. And the second thing that the first sentence even focuses on is fellowship. Now, I think a lot of times we think of fellowship as just uh, getting together and hanging out. Uh, and that's, you know, that can be true, but fellowship means like sharing and, and being together and sharing with one another. So I look at that and I, and I just basically summarize as they joyfully shared with one another and cared for each other's needs. And in the early church, I mean, they, they even went beyond that. They would sell their possessions and they would share with those who had need. So uh, we, have to, we have to assume that there were people who were poor. And in order to care for them, because they were all together, they would sacrifice and give to one another. The next thing that the verse says is breaking of bread. Now, you know, some, you can interpret this a couple of different ways. Um, some people think that this really means communion, that it was like the Lord's Supper that they were doing together in each other's homes. Uh, and that's probably true. Uh, I tend to think also that it could mean uh, just sharing a meal together, just hanging out and sharing a meal together. I know that our small, small group, um, just uh, a week ago, or two weeks ago, we got together at Alan Linda's house because they invited us over, and we just, we just got together and ate a meal. And it was like, it was amazing, you know? Uh, I think Harvest does that pretty well, but it's amazing what food does. And here it is, the early church. There's really only four things that uh, Luke really shares, and one of them is eating together, okay? And then the last thing is prayer. Uh, Luke stresses that the early church prayed regularly and often, and they prayed privately and corporately too. Like they got together with each other and they prayed. Uh, I know this is one of the things that I find the most difficult in terms of uh, praying regularly uh, with other people. Uh, I wish that I could do that better, uh, but but that's one of the things that I know that every church needs to do. So here we have it. The church in Acts chapter two, they focus on teaching, they focus on fellowship, they focus on breaking of bread, and they focus on prayer. Uh, you know, I thought about this and you, you could see check marks up on the board. But I asked myself, is this a checklist? Is this how we do church? Is this what we need to focus on? And I thought about it and I was like, it, you know, was, was Luke trying to share with us what a church should do? And I have to say, I don't think so. You know, like, are these good things? Absolutely, they're good things. But do these things make a church successful or do they or or do they like are they the meaning of church it's like these four things and i don't think that's the case you know because 
if we just look at them as acts, like things that we do, uh, we see that we know, I should say, that our faith is not built on works. Right? Our faith is not built on works. Uh, even Jesus said this about prayer and about uh, giving to other people. He wrote, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. I love this passage because it's, it's telling us, you know, being a Christian, being a church, is not about making sure you check off the boxes and do these acts. Uh, it's, it's about more than that. It's, it's about a relationship with God and about relationship with one another. Uh, I want to kind of go back. This is dangerous. Uh, I just want to go back to these four things, right? Um, and what I notice, I, like I think these are great things. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to say that they're not. They are. But I notice a similarity between this list and something else. Uh, in the life of Jesus, a Pharisee asked Jesus, uh, and I think it was kind of like a trick question, right? He was trying to catch Jesus, and he says, uh, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? Because there was talk about, you know, what was the greatest commandment? And Jesus gave them, let me see if I have it. Jesus said this, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So, you know, while the Pharisees were fo focusing on laws and they're focusing on things that you must do, Jesus boiled it down for him, right? And he said, you know, the law is pretty much encapsulated in these two things. Basically, love God and love your neighbor. Uh, and I find it similar in what we see in the discussion about what the early church was like. Okay, the early church, uh, they focus on teaching and preaching the gospel. They focus on prayer. They focus on fellowship and breaking of bread. And if you kind of break it down, like, Teaching of the word, studying God's word, is like spending time with God. Prayer, spending time with God. Fellowship is like loving your neighbor. Breaking bread, loving your neighbor. Like, it, I see a parallel there. And, I, you know, what it means to me as we head into this uncharted territory of where harvest is headed, I think... I want to make sure, or like this is my view, I want to make sure that we don't think of church as a list of works that we must do. 
You know, there are great guidelines and there's great models. Acts chapter 2, the church in Acts chapter 2, great model for us to, to build upon. But it's not a checklist. You know, I think a lot of times we, we judge churches, and I know I do, we judge churches uh, by exterior things. Like, we look at a church and we're like, wow, there's so many people at this church. And I, and I did that, I was guilty of that. Or look at this church, it has so many facilities. Uh, they must have a huge budget, right? Uh, they can afford so many pastors. Uh, but it's kind of like looking, I think it's kind of like looking at churches like you might look at people. And I think that's kind of the wrong way to look at it. Like, so like how might God look at harvest? You know, would God look at harvest and say, you know, it's, it's really small, can't do much? Would it say the budget is really minor, they can't afford much help? Uh, Obviously not. And we would, never, we would never judge a person that way, right? Uh, and if we're not going to do that, why would we do that in churches? Why would we judge churches based on superficial things? Uh, and so I think just kind of to, to be near the end of this message, I want to stress that the elders and the pastors are waiting on God to speak to us, just like the disciples waited on the Holy Spirit. The elders and the pastors are looking to see, like, just kind of look to see what is harvest made of? Like, how did God make us? Who did he make us to be? And by looking at those things and waiting for the Spirit to lead us, then we can kind of set a pathway for the church. But in the meantime, in the meantime, we need to make sure that we preach the gospel, that we study the word, uh, that we pray together, that we fellowship with one another and share with one another, and that we even break bread with one another. We have communion together and we share meals together. Uh, if you are not currently doing those things, um, I urge you to talk to somebody here at the church. Uh, if you have nobody to meet with, if you don't have a small group or you just haven't been into it, I urge you to do that. It's you know, we, it's from the Bible that you will be blessed by doing these things, and I want Harvest to be blessed by doing these things. Um, I want to just kind of finish out my, my basic message, is that if our church is filled with people who have a heart for God and for one another as they devote themselves to preaching, teaching the Bible, to fellowship, to breaking of bread together, and to praying, that is a biblical church. And I think that is something that we can build upon. And so, um, you know, just to, just to conclude, uh, I wanted to come back to the headline that I had written for us, you know, make church great again. Uh, I think that the word that, when I look at that statement and how like emotionally charged that statement is, I think that there's one word that, that is making it that. And the word is again. Right? The word again implies a lot of things and you know, it leaves us up for our imagination to, to think of what that means. So I think what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna take off that word, okay? And so it just says make church great. You know, you don't need to, to 
be burdened by what, what was in the past. It's more about looking ahead and, we're, and looking to see where God's going to lead our church. And if we do that, we can make church great. Uh, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, I just want to give you thanks. I want to give you thanks for being with us today uh, and sharing with us through the book of Luke, or through the book of Acts, through Luke, uh, what you had to share with us about the early church and about their heart, God. You shared with us what their heart was like, and their heart was for you to teach and preach the gospel, to pray together, to fellowship with one another, and to break bread with one another. I pray, God, that you would help us to do those things, uh, not as acts, but rather acts of worship and with a heart that is searching for you always. Uh, help us to remain patient. Help us to wait on your Holy Spirit to tell us what direction we're going to go in. And help uh, our leaders to help set a direction. Thank you, Lord. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.